0: Touch with technology with tech stuff from howstuffworks.com.
1: Hey there, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm Jonathan Strickland. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're going to talk about something that we've actually mentioned on previous episodes of Tech Stuff, and that's recycling electronics. Uh, a long time ago, Chris and I did a, a full episode on electronic waste or e-waste and talked about the dangers of it and why you would want to recycle or refurbish uh, goods that are, you know, electronics, consumer electronics. Um, but we thought it was worth revisiting this because things have developed in the time since we recorded things have changed.
0: Yes tech stuff uh, has been around for what five almost six years now yeah, so, tech, tech um, stuff
1: was invented shortly before the internet. <laughs> uh, we used to Chris and I at the back in the day used to just find people and talk to them about technology as they asked us to please let them go but um, now we've got a, 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 a different arrangement. Um, we can reach a much broader audience although we are not able to hold them until we're done. Other than that, though, I think things have improved.
0: I think I think that is coming in the future. I think that some kind of haptic feedback shock shock system <laughs> Look, should. If you, so, if you
1: pause or you you are allowed to listen to us at two times speed, but only if it pitches our voices up because we like being chipmunks.
0: Speak for yourself. At any rate, okay, um, let's, so, let's talk about
1: recycling. So,
0: so this this really is a major problem. Um, uh, Greenpeace estimates that um, twenty to fifty million tons, million tons that's that's eighteen to forty five million metric tons, right? FYI, um, is of, of e waste is generated every year.
1: Right, and 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 before we get a lot of emails saying, but that's Greenpeace, you know, the bias, et cetera, we totally understand. A lot of the the sources we're pulling from are from various organizations that have very specific philosophies when it comes to recycling. However, when it comes down to this one, I found lots and lots of different estimates that all came from different sources that essentially gravitated around this 50 million ton mark. So I, I pretty much subscribe to that. Now, the 20 to 50 million one, that one was quoted back in 2009. So 50 million, it's not a surprise that that number has crept up to the higher end of that scale since then. I mean, 2009, we still had just the very dawn of the smartphone era as far as the consumers were concerned, right? I mean, iPhone had only been out for a couple of years. Now we've got iPads, all these other kinds of tablets, all smartphones of all shapes and sizes, tons of different types of computers and, and video game consoles and all these other kind of elements. Not a big shock to see that there's this massive amount of stuff. And on top of that, the The world of technology is one that encourages us to consume, right? Oh,
0: sure. Well, I mean, every, everyone wants, or not everyone necessarily, but most of us want, you know, the new big shiny thing, and uh, yeah. and, and we want it to perform to our specifications. You know, we we want to do that that stuff that makes it useful, and which she, frequently means getting the new one right. as soon as it comes out.
1: Because we don't we don't want to feel like we're missing out on something, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, as an Android user. I feel this very keenly. You know, I I think in some ways, Apple users have the better end of the deal in the sense that they can generally expect that their products, specifically things like the iPhone and the iPad, will update once a year. iPad's a little different. We saw two updates come a couple of years ago in one year. In fact, like six months apart from each other, seven months, something like that. But in general, the iPhone tends to get one update per year. And so while you still have that regular drive to upgrade your devices, it's not like Android where a new handset comes out from different manufacturers on a weekly basis. Right. But either way, the message that we get from marketing, from companies, even from our peers, is that you are missing out if you don't have the latest thing. But that means you have to do something with the old things you have. They will slowly accumulate in your home, or maybe not so slowly, depending upon how how big a tech geek you are. (laughs) I've got friends who it's like you walk into the computer history museum when you when you walk into their place and you might have a junk drawer that's just junk smartphones from the last like couple of years. But what's a responsible way of dealing with these things of of offloading these electronics that aren't really you know you're not using them you're using the newest thing so what do you do with the old ones I mean apart from hand me downs to your friends and relatives what do you do beyond that
0: I, I personally keep a few of them around as uh, important curios of my past I still have a beeper wow yeah
1: you had okay uh, there's a dark part of your past I want to explore at some point because I, I, I was, I was that person who I, while I cover technology and I love technology people, I mean, I absolutely am obsessed with it. I am also not the earliest of adopters with a few exceptions. Uh, Android, I was an early adopter, but cell phones, I held off a long time on cell phones, but I, I was on the end of the, Like the initial uh, rush had already happened. I was in the long tail, maybe at the beginning of the long tail. It wasn't, it wasn't (laughs) like it was 2005 or Mm -hmm. anything like that. But anyway, we have this encouraging culture built around electronics that encourage us to consume, to buy new things. And then we have to worry about the old things. And until fairly recently, it hasn't been that public a, a, Concern about what to do with the old stuff. Now there were, there were organizations and people who are thinking about this for a couple of decades.
0: Sure, uh, go, going all the way back to the 1970s is is really when people started becoming cons- more concerned about what to do with with solid wastes in general and right. um, and hazardous wastes in particular. And uh, and and through through the years since then, various organizing bodies around the world have been. Um, you know, just trying to raise awareness and and create laws for individual countries to to adopt. Right. And we'll get into that a little bit more later on. Sure. But um. But yeah. So I mean, it's 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 been in people's. 1995 was when the Basel Convention first put out uh, a a series of agreements that were like, hey, we should be thinking about this because this is a problem.
1: Right. Right. And and you know, the environmental movement, like you said, began in the 70s. 1970 was when the first Earth Day happened. And uh, but but that was really looking at traditional waste problems. Electronic waste in 1970 wasn't really a big thing, you know. You would buy an appliance and you would keep that appliance until it was broken beyond repair, and then you would get a new one. But other than that, and you know, you you weren't necessarily upgrading your television that frequently or any of the other consumer electronics that were popular in the 70s. It wasn't really until we got to like the portable electronics of the mid-70s and then the personal computer era. Also, I
0: mean, we didn't have circuit boards in every toaster. like, We didn't have smart toasters yet, so it was a little bit less of a specific issue.
1: Stupid toaster. So let's look at some statistics about electronics and recycling and and just tossing stuff away. Uh, This is all information that I pulled from the Institute of Scrap Recycling Industries Incorporated. Uh, they had a presentation that was all about the stats. And uh, the, the stats here mostly date from 2012, so they're pretty current. Uh, uh, keeping in mind, there are other stats that we could talk about. The Environmental Protection Agency did a report back in 2009 that said that al- only about a quarter of all the electronics ready for end-of-life management, meaning they are you are done with them you do not want them anymore only 25% were collected for recycling back in 2009 and the total weight of electronics ready to be discarded or recycled was about 2.37 million tons uh, in 2009 now again that was for the united states we're talking 50 million tons annually worldwide, worldwide. so uh for the institute of scrap recycling industries incorporated they have some other interesting statistics. They said that the United States exported 47.3 million metric tons of scrap material in 2012. Now that includes more than just electronics. It's not that that's all electronics. Cause it, these numbers start to conflict with each other. You're thinking, wait, we're <laughs> yeah. producing, the world's producing 50 million, but the US is exporting 47.3 million. Uh, so this, this, this is, is overall all scrap, mm-hmm. right? and then they said that the value of the scrap materials was estimated at about 26 billion dollars um, a lot of money
0: according to the federal trade commission in 2011 um the um the us export of used electronic products was 1.45 billion so so that's of of that share
1: yeah of the 26 billion 1.45 being Electronics be,
0: be, being like like above the table electronics yeah. like when we're not talking about because there is an issue with people um illegally exporting sure. electronic goods right
1: right we'll get into that too uh, so that that scrap that we're exporting that the United States is exporting the when I say scrap. we I'm talking about the United States because that's <laughs> again once again we say this all the time it's that's the, where yeah. that's where Lauren and I live Uh but the, you know obviously e waste is a global issue it's not in fact that's it's a global issue mainly because of the United States and countries like it. Uh, because
0: developed countries have been exporting waste to developing countries and, yeah. and messing everything up.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a big mess. Uh, although there are a lot of people working very hard to clean that mess up. So 160 different countries received this scrap material that we were exporting. And uh, when you get down to the actual electronic waste... There are about, the United States processes about 4 million tons of electronic waste for recycling each year. That's, uh, there are about 6 million tons in the United States that get, uh, sent out for recycling, but only 4 million of it are processed within the United States itself. So the rest of it has to go somewhere else because we just don't have the capacity to process more than that, uh, currently. Although that could change as companies begin to explore the potential of recycling in the
0: U.S.? A part of the issue is also Um, cost-effectiveness. Until um, possibly today, it's been pretty hard for... Uh, companies to in the U.S. to compete with recycling plants outside of the U.S. Uh, partially because a lot of recycling plants in developing countries aren't certified and um, aren't being responsible right. with their workers' health or, or their waste manage- management practices. So. Yeah,
1: essentially, what what it comes down to is economics, right? Yeah. You you get you have an economic uh, incentive to ship this stuff overseas because there are processing facilities and collectors who pay their employees very, very, very little because it's a different country. And in that country, the laws are completely different than they are in the United States and other developed countries. So it's cheaper to send it out rather than process it at home. And because you look at business decisions with that dollar sign in mind more often than not, not to say that all companies do this, but
0: absolutely—but
1: it's a general trend, especially if you're answering to shareholders and shareholders are interested in getting a return on their investment, you're looking for the cheapest way to do the work possible. And that might involve sending stuff off to a company that doesn't pay its employees very well and doesn't really care about their health or safety. Um and that's like Lauren alluded to, that might be changing big time in the United States, but we'll get to that. Uh, so 75% of all e-waste collected for recycling comes from commercial businesses in the United States. Only 25% came from residential sources. And so, uh, uh the, the institute actually identified that as an area of opportunity to increase collection and recycling programs within the United States to cater specifically for regular citizens okay. so that we would have an outlet that would be easy to access. Uh, and there are multiple ways of going about that, whether it's some sort of government funded program or a completely privatized service uh that that was left up in the air the, the the program wasn't or the uh the presentation wasn't about that it was just saying here's some opportunity uh also 82.8% of all collected e-waste in the United States was recycled reused or refurbished within the US and then 17.2% of the collected e-waste keep in mind this is just the stuff that was collected for recycling there is a lot of it that's just going to landfills that's just dumped yeah yeah But 17.2 percent of that collected e-waste by weight was exported to other countries. Now, if you look at all the e-waste collected, 12.1 percent of it was exported as testing or working products, meaning that these are things that were still in working order that could be donated to other countries so that they could be
0: refurbished and reused. Yeah.
1: So that they could either be sold in that country or used in some sort of school program or whatever. Some of it was ready for repair or refurbishment. Some of it was just in working order. But that remaining 5.1% of all of the electronic waste we collected ended up being exported without us really knowing what the final destination or purpose was, which is troublesome because, like we said, there are some of these companies out there that are behaving in ways that we would call unethical, uh, you know, questionable things that where they're not treating uh, the workers very well. They aren't looking after people's health and safety.
0: Mm-hmm. Um And and when you're talking, I mean, you know, 5% sounds like like a small number until you're thinking about 5% of a few million tons. Right. And then it's like, oh, no, yeah, that's, that's that's a problem. And
1: these are pe- real people and real lives. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, human beings who have families and they have their own problems. And it's but one of those problems might be that they are dealing with material that could be very toxic in a dangerous way. And We'll get into that later on as well. So with that 5.1%, they call it the sliver in, in the presentation because when you're looking at it, if you look at it just from a percentage point of view, like you said, Lauren, you have this tendency to say, oh, it's just 5%. But they, they point out that sliver is incredibly important and you cannot ignore it because to do so is irresponsible. So and again, this is just the United States. There are other countries that also export electronic waste to developing nations. So it's it's a problem that goes beyond just the U.S. It's just that those are, again, the figures that are easiest for us to get because we happen to live here.
0: Right, right. Uh, As as it turns out, the the European Union is a little bit ahead of the the U.S. in the entire game. Um, They have they have passed the um, European Waste Shipment Regulation, which um, ha, has adopted some of the statutes put out by multinational organizations for for better, better, um, more responsible, more responsible recycling. treatment right. of these products. Right.
1: And uh, what what actually happens to this recycling? The stuff that's being sent out to to be turned into other stuff, not just refurbished or repurposed. Seventy percent of it is recycled into specification grade commodity scrap. Which includes things like aluminum or copper or scrap steel. 10% of it's resold as functioning equipment and components for direct resale. So only 10% of all the stuff we send out is actually being used again in that respect. Uh, and 18% of it's resold as equipment and components for further repair and refurbishment. So that may mean that you're not just, uh, like, like the computer you donate might have some stuff that they, they s- salvage from the computer to use either to sell directly or to put into something else, and then other parts might just join that scrap. So the majority of it, that 70%, is going as just scrap. It's not not being reused or refurbished or anything like that. So why would you want to recycle in the first place? Well, part of it is that the idea of donating your electronics, anything that's in working order, then extends the lifespan of that device, which makes the device more valuable to people in general.
0: And, and also can, can specifically help people in need. There's a bunch of different programs. Um, you know, uh, cell phones for soldiers or, um, a, a lot of, uh, domestic abuse hotline kind of places will sure. accept cell phones for, mm-hmm. um, for, for, for victims to use to get help.
1: The World Computer Exchange accepts computers for donation. It's one of the more reputable, uh, organizations. There are, there are quite a few actually that have in, incredible reputations. They are known for being responsible. And for accepting donations, it's important that you do research when you need to recycle your electronics. And we'll talk more about that in the second half, too. But just a general note, if you are going to recycle anything, make sure that whatever outlets you're looking at are responsible ones. So what sort of materials are getting recycled when we're recycling electronics? It's pretty much the same sort of stuff you would think of when you're sorting through your recycling. You know, if you have like a recycle bin or several bins that you have to sort through, it's the same sort of stuff in general. It's just. They happen to be combined into products. And, they, right? and it's
0: changing slightly um, as a, the face of electronics change. I mean, if you're recycling your old uh, CRT monitor, then, then yeah. that's going to be a different set it's, of stuff. Than... Right,
1: different components than, say, a, a flat screen digital display or sure. a plasma TV even. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I when I think of uh, recycling electronics, I'm always thinking of smartphones, tablets and computers. But really, we're talking televisions. We're talking microwaves. We're talking about anything that's a consumer electronic, right? You know, not just the the stuff that Jonathan thinks of as consumer electronics because <laughs> he has a very narrow view of the world. Um, so really we're looking at glass, plastic, and metals being the chief components that go into this whole recycling. Uh, and I thought it might be fun to talk a little bit about the outcome of that. Like why why do we recycle these things? How efficient is it? Does it make sense? Yeah. Because there are people. Who say that at least some things that we recycle, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to recycle them.
0: And that is, that is partially true. Uh, we actually just did a, a two part series on recycling for forward thinking. Yeah. Um, so if you guys aren't,
1: so. aren't listening to forward thinking, you should, uh, check that out and, and watch the video series too. It's, I'm having a blast doing it. And Lauren joins me and also the series writer, uh, Joe, he, he's on that audio podcast, too. And the three of us. We have a up lot of fun. And, yeah. No, it's. We have an axe. Yes, well, there is an axe. That is true. Uh, it's only for forward thinking. We do not have the axe for tech stuff. No. You don't get to see the axe, but you get to hear us re- refer to it <laughs> once in a rare while.
0: <laughs> but yeah, so so uh so, so so glass.
1: Yeah. So glass. This is one of the trickiest ones, right? Because glass, if you were to recycle glass, you end up saving about 30 percent of the energy you would need to manufacture glass out of raw materials, So that means that you're expending 70% of the energy that you would require if you were just starting from scratch, right? So 30% is not a huge amount of savings. And depending upon how the sorting facility does the sorting for glass, it can actually require more energy and time to sort through. It starts to make the whole recycling process a bit questionable for certain communities. Not not the case everywhere. Some facilities have very sophisticated sorting equipment that make this go very easily. Others do not. So glass is one of those things that I, I recommend if you can reuse the stuff, reuse it. Uh, if you cannot reuse it, recycle it. The other part about glass that makes it kind of a, uh, you know, it makes it the least wasteful in a way is that the raw material that we use to make glass is plentiful, since it's mainly sand. So it's not like we're running on a shortage of sand. We haven't hit peak sand yet, <laughs> right?
0: No, no. I think that of all of all the elements that we are concerned about, um, or not that sand is an element. That's, right. that, that's a terrible all the, well, science fact. Well, ele- um,
1: elements in the sense of factors. Sure. Uh, and also glass is non-toxic. So if it ends up in a landfill, at least you know it's not going to be uh, – I mean, assuming it's not lead glass. It's not going to be leaching uh, toxins into the environment. We don't want glass to end up in a landfill, so don't get me wrong there. Mm-hmm. I would much prefer that you reuse it if you can or recycle it if you cannot. But keep in mind, some recycling facilities end up sending a lot of glass to landfills anyway. I mean, it just – I I keep on hoping for the improvement there so that we don't have to worry about that. Uh. Because mainly what I'm looking at here is an energy saving model, Mm -hmm. because if you're saving energy, that means that you are also emitting fewer greenhouse gases. This is a huge big picture thing. And also,
0: I mean, also saving money, because what it really comes down to for, you know, unfortunately, but this is the way the world works, is, is an economic factor of whether it is worth someone's time.
1: Right, right. Then we have plastic and plastic's actually a little more complicated. In fact, a lot more complicated because there are a lot of different types of plastic and some are easier to recycle than others, like pet plastic or polyethylene terephthalate plastic. Good job. Yeah. It only took two tries. You guys, I hope, missed the first try unless Noel is feeling vindictive, in which case he kept it in there. <laughs> Null is noncommittal. Anyway, so pet plastic, this is the stuff that uh you see in like clear bottles, like plastic bottles, you know, soda bottles, water bottles, that kind of thing. That tends to be pet plastic. And it's very easy for us to recycle that. And if we if we do, we save eighty-four percent of the energy we use in plastic production from raw materials. And seventy-one percent of the greenhouse gas emissions. So eighty-four percent less energy, seventy-one percent fewer greenhouse gas emissions. Obviously, recycling this type of plastic makes sense from multiple perspectives. However,
0: however, your electronics are not always made out of the same right. plastics that your soda bottles are.
1: Yeah, so that that is an issue. That does mean that you know not all of the types of plastic are going to save that same amount of of energy and uh, greenhouse gases. And part of that is just that. The amount of plastic we produce, a lot of it is that pet plastic. So that's where a lot of the work has been done in recycling. So it's one of those things that as we continue to use these other types of plastic, I expect we'll have more improved processes for dealing with it in a recycling uh, uh, perspective. But something else to keep in mind. Now, when it comes to metals, metals are one of those things that just makes perfect sense to recycle. Depending upon the metal, it can be... A huge savings. So for example, aluminum, you can save way more energy by recycling aluminum than you would if you were to try and produce aluminum by mining stuff and refining it and then, and then using it in products. So it may, you save a lot of energy and fewer greenhouse gas emissions if you just recycle.
0: Yeah. I don't have the number in front of me, but I remember it being like over 90%. Yeah.
1: It's, it's, I think. You end up spending like 6% of the energy you would need to produce it from raw materials. If you're looking at the big picture, everything mm-hmm. from the mining operation to all the way down to finally getting whatever the product is. So aluminum makes tons of sense. Steel is also a very good candidate. It's not nearly as uh, a, a big savings on energy as aluminum is, but it's still good. Uh, And then there are a lot of precious metals that we tend to use in electronics, gold being one of the more popular ones, one of the more uh, frequently found ones. But you can even find – depending upon the the device, you can even find stuff like platinum, which is pretty darn rare and extremely valuable. So you want to be able to reclaim as much of that as possible and not just toss it away. Platinum, by the way, not used in most common consumer electronics. It's it's actually that would be it, it, it would of.
0: hit the price point of you know not yeah. really for consumers. This
1: would be for the rich people who want to have ridiculously luxurious items. Uh, that's a little editorializing, but it's also true. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> uh, but you can also find other other metals like copper. Copper is one of those that is obviously really important in electronics. It's one of those conductors that we use over and over again. And so we want to reclaim as much of that as possible because there are reports that we're hitting peak copper and that before long, our our copper that we're bringing in from mining operations is just going to start to drop. And that will affect the way the electronics market moves from that point forward. So these are the items that we're really interested in when we're recycling, assuming that you're not just reusing that device, refurbishing it so that you extend the life. These are the sort of things that we can pull out of these devices and then use again either in future electronics or, you know, whatever. Like most glass ends up becoming containers. Mm -hmm. Plastic, same thing. Most plastic ends up becoming a container. Aluminum, same thing. Most aluminum tends to turn out to end up being aluminum cans. But it does mean that we don't have to spend the energy – and, and time to get those raw materials and also the environmental impact of getting those, and uh, those raw materials gets decreased. So it's a good idea. Um, beyond that, there's some financial benefits. Uh, or potential financial benefits. So,
0: uh, right, aren't there a bunch of tax programs in in effect?
1: There are a lot of tax programs. It all depends on where you live. Obviously, within the United States, if you are donating a uh, a, a device to a nonprofit organization, an official recognized nonprofit organization.
0: Not like then, your aunt. Yeah, right. But...
1: You can get a, a write off on your taxes, uh, but you have to come to an agreement with the nonprofit organization as to how much that particular device is valued. You know, you have to you have to figure out what the amount is for it, because if you're if you're donating a computer that's eight years old, it may be that there's negligible value there.
0: Uh, a, a lot of these programs will make it pretty easy for you. Um Most of them will uh, will send you a, a free shipping label and and you know they they want Some, you to do this yeah. they you know for for both environment environmental reasons and for uh, you know maybe not profit if they're a nonprofit but but it's it's worth money so right um, yeah
1: and, and in fact if you if you'd rather not go the nonprofit route I mean I don't know but you know, if you would rather you know, sell your devices uh, obviously there are multiple ways of doing that you could do that yourself you could sell it on something like Craigslist or eBay. Uh, there are certain programs where if you didn't want to sell it, you just wanted to give it away, but you know, you just wanted to give it away to someone within your community. There are a lot of different organizations that do that. Here in Atlanta, I know that there's a community called FreeCycle, which I assume is operating in other communities as well. But on FreeCycle, you would just go on and create a post, very much like eBay or Craigslist, and say, here's what I have. I'm giving it away. The first person who wants it gets it. And... Uh, my wife loves that program. <laughs> I have some interesting furniture because of it. And then there are things like uh, Gazelle. Gazelle is just one of several different programs that will buy old electronics for you know whatever the value is at that time. Keeping in mind, electronics depreciate just like any other product. Like and the Kelly lo-
0: Blue Book of Electronics, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. You
1: know? So so you're gonna get you're gonna get a fraction of what you paid for it, but it does mean that you get some money back, which you can then use to. You know, finance your habit of buying new electronics. I mean, it, it is addictive. I I've gone through a smartwatch craze, Lauren. I I don't own one yet, but I've got like five of them on order now. <laughs> I am not kidding. I ordered another one just the other day. So it's the Agent, the Pebble, the uh, the world's thinnest watch, which technically isn't a smartwatch, but is pretty cool. And then there was one more that I ordered just on Indiegogo or supported on Indiegogo the other day. I've got a problem, Lauren.
0: You I think I think that we need to take a moment and talk about this problem and in the meanwhile, let us let us pause
1: for a break.
0: For a break. Yeah. To Let's, hear from our sponsor.
1: Yeah, we'll take a quick break to thank our sponsor. All right, we're back. I'm out of wrist because of all the <laughs> smartwatches. But uh, we're also uh, – we're actually running on a tight schedule today. There's a couple of guys who need to come into the podcast studio in a minute, right? It's, I, uh, Josh I don't know. I've never Chuck. heard of them. Yeah, That's... some guys. Uh, but they're recording their episode next. So we want to talk quickly about some of the responsibilities and dangers associated with recycling. We we've alluded to them earlier, but we need to actually address them now.
0: Uh, yeah, um, so, so interesting breaking news as of this morning, this morning being July 24th, 2013, um, representatives of the U.S. Congress have, uh, have announced that they have a act that they are trying to pass called the Responsible Electronics Recycling Act, aka RERA, of hmm. 2013 um this this would be an update of the resource conservation and recovery act um which was originally passed in the 1970s 1976 to be precise um and uh it's it's updating it to to basically just um uh prohibit the export of restricted electronic waste from the US to countries that are not members of um responsible organizations that um that,
1: right that that that, that regulate
0: the way that these things are handled.
1: And the reason for that is because electronics can have some pretty nasty stuff in them. Like the plastics themselves can release lots of toxic materials as you process them. Processing in this case may involve doing things like not just shredding it up and incinerating it, which can release some terrible toxins, mm-hmm.
0: but even when done responsibly.
1: Exactly. Yeah, you have to have you have to have capture systems to capture those gases that are given off. And ideally you're not incinerating stuff in the first place, but some of the stuff does get incinerated. Uh, But there's also uh, a practice of dipping some of these things in acid baths to burn away everything other than the precious metals that you want to get at. And that can produce some terrible byproducts. The acids themselves are hazardous. Then you get some byproducts that are dangerous. Uh, Some of the the fumes that give off are toxic. It can have health and environmental impact of the community all around, even if you aren't directly exposed to it on a day-to-day basis as part of your job. It can uh, impact your community. And in fact, there are areas in China that are known for being these toxic uh, communities that are just filled with lots of, uh, of uh, well, lots of toxic chemicals. And, and as a result, people have suffered some pretty serious health hazards, health issues mm-hmm. because of this. So that's why this act was proposed in the United States was to try and make sure that we create a responsible conduit Recycling so that we minimize the environmental and health impacts that can happen as a result of coming into contact with this stuff. And you might think, well, what kind of stuff besides plastic are in electronics? How about mercury? That's pretty toxic stuff.
0: Fairly toxic, especially if you're if you're just playing with it. Um, lead.
1: Yeah, yeah. These are things that can cause neurological issues. Both mercury and lead can cause neurological problems, including things like blindness, uh, cognitive issues, and. Prolonged exposure can lead to, to deadly poisoning. It can be fatal. You have stuff like cadmium, which can damage lungs and kidneys and cause environmental damage if that leaches into the ground if you were just to put it in a landfill.
0: And, uh, sulfur, uh, uh sulf- sulfuric acid is one of the two elements along with lead that, um, I, I, again, uh, components, not elements, apologies, um, that, that makes up Every, all of the batteries that you use, all the AA batteries, the disposable batteries that you're using that are not lithium.
1: There, there are lots of batteries that have sulfur in them, and that can lead to sulfuric acid. That can cause damage to kidneys, eyes, liver, and heart. So, uh, and, and, you know, the methods of recycling, like if you're actually recycling this stuff, you tend to be grinding it up into tiny little bits, especially for the plastic. Uh, so that can, uh, if you're incinerating any of that, that can cause problems, obviously. Uh, you can be dipping them in the acids, like I said before. That's a problem. So it's, you know, you, you want to make sure that this stuff is going to a responsible entity that is going to take care of this material and make sure, one, that it's doing its best to maintain the health and safety uh, concerns of all of the employees, and two, just making sure that that material is actually getting recycled and not just dumped somewhere, right? And not just taking your money Uh, because some of these centers are operating on contracts that are working with big companies or whatever, not just taking the money and then just dumping the stuff, but actually doing what they're supposed to be doing. So part of that process meant that there needed to be some sort of certification there, some sort of third-party certification that would guarantee that people were being responsible and accountable. And uh, there are a couple of different programs in the United States that have come up because of that e stewards is one of them that's one i see all the time is the the e- if it has the e stewards certification on it that means it's been inspected and certified by a third party entity and that it is behaving in a responsible manner when it comes to recycling your products so if you are thinking about recycling stuff do your research look into what is available in your area and see if it is in fact certified.
0: Right. The EPA actually has a um, like an interactive map up on their website uh, that that breaks down a lot of local places that have been independently certified.
1: Right. Another one is the Responsible Recycling Practices. That's called R two. No notice there about what happened to D two, but R two is there. <laughs> Um, and also a lot of manufacturers have their own recycling programs. So you can look into the manufacturer that produced whatever the product is and see if they have a
0: recommendation. Yeah.
1: Because there may be a program where you just send it right back to the company and then right. they will deal with it.
0: Or, uh, or even one of the places that you have purchased your electronics from might have a, a similar program. Like I, I know that Staples and Best Buy do. Right. Stuff like that.
1: Now, one thing that we need to bring up to your attention is what do you do with all that data that's on those devices? Because you don't want to just toss your stuff that has all your personal information on it or other information. Uh, Britain uh, Researchers in Britain ran a program where they bought up 300 used computers from various sources from various countries. And then they wanted to see what kind of data they could find on them. And in about 100 of them, so a third of the computers they bought, they found sensitive information. Not just personal info like social security numbers, although they did find that. they uh On one of them, they found a... Uh, test launch information on ground to air defense missiles. Yeah, not something you necessarily want to get out. There are also medical records. So very sensitive stuff. This was from hospitals that had not properly disposed of the data. So if you want to donate some device that has your data on it, uh, you have a couple of different options. I mean, of course, you could encrypt all that data that will at least make it very difficult to access and Probably whoever gets hold of it doesn't necessarily want to access it anyway. They want to use the device.
0: Oh, right. Uh, but, but, but just reformatting your drive is not no. good enough no, to protect. No, because
1: you have to reformat and overwrite that data right. to make it less accessible. Even then, it's still potentially accessible, but there are a lot of programs out there that will overwrite your data with just nonsense, just junk zeros and ones essentially to, uh, obfuscate what was there and to, to try and destroy it. Really the only way to destroy it is to physically destroy the drive. Take it out and just smash it up into tiny little pieces. But one, that's dangerous. Two, that's probably excessive. So following these other methods is most likely to work, right. So, but
0: but, but you know, it, yeah, it's it's to be to be absolutely safe. Uh, you, you you might hang on to the hard drive. Um, definitely take a SIM card out of any mobile device. Right. Yeah. Um. But but basically, yes, wiping and encrypting.
1: Definitely an important thing to do. I mean, I've told this story before. I bought my Xbox 360 used, and the gamer information was still on there. The per the gamer who had owned the box before me had not wiped his or her data. From the console. Now, I did do that. That was the first thing I did when I got it. But it was one of those things that's just a reminder, you know. Even if, if, for a if device, someone had
0: been less honest than Jonathan,
1: yeah. Which you know, hard to do. I'm a pretty big a liar. Punt. Yeah. Anyway, so guys, that's kind of our episode. I know that it was a quick second half, but I can see Josh and Chuck just outside the podcast room. And Josh has got a bat, and he's looking at me and slowly shaking his head. So I'm taking that as a cue that we should wrap up here. Keep in mind, recycling is good. We're totally in favor of it. Just do it responsibly, both for the environment, for people's health, and for your own personal data safety. All of these things are important. And, uh, hey... I'm not going to tell you not to buy another uh, smartwatch because I just saw one online that I want. Anyway, guys, if you enjoyed this episode, you have any comments, you have something you want to share about it, or you have suggestions for future topics, get in touch with us. Let us know. Our address is techstuff at discovery.com or find us on Facebook or Twitter. Our handle at both of those is techstuffhsw. And Lauren and I will talk to you again really soon.